Say I love you to somebody, you never know. Maybe they've not heard that all day long. Maybe they've not heard that in a few days. Maybe they've not heard that in a week. You may be the only person who said that to them. So it's important that we speak love, amen? Because we put love out there when we speak love. We put the love of God out there when we speak love. I'm sure you understand and you know he is the God of the breakthrough, amen? He is the God who literally is the God of the breakthrough. And with him, all things are possible. If you believe they're possible, say amen. Amen. Now, you need to understand that I'm one of those preachers that like you to talk back to me, all right? And so silence makes me a little nervous, so you can say amen as much as you want to. Pastor Doug said to me, we're ending a We've ended a series, and we're not yet started a series, so preach what you feel like God gives you to preach. So here we go, all right? (laughs) I would entitle the message, Embrace the Good. What are you embracing today? What have you wrapped your heart, your mind, your arms, your total being around today? What is it that you are embracing? What is it that you literally are in love with today? What is it that is number one? You see, there's a place where every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, you have the privilege to live. There's a place that God has called you to live in. It's not a place prepared by you, but rather it's a place that is prepared by a holy God. Men can't prepare it because God already has, amen? Amen. The place that we're called to live is a place that the same God who said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made. And God said, behold, it is very good. So when God looks at you, guess what he says? Behold, it is very good. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, behold, you are very good. Amen? Why is it that some of your wives didn't tell your husbands that? (laughs) Behold, you are very good, created by God, and invited to live as one with God by God. No one else can give you that invitation but God himself. No one else can look at you and call you unto himself and say, live with me as one but God. But God has called us to that, one with the creator and one with the victor, one with the overcomer and one with the provider, one with the peace that passes all understanding, and one with the healer that takes care of all of our needs. One with the deliverer and one with the sustainer. One with righteousness and one with the almighty. One with the savior and one with God who is Emmanuel, who is ever present, who is right here, right now. One with God. He simply said this to you and to me in John 15, verse 4. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. In other words, find your life in me, live in me, and I will live in you. The life that is the life that is in you will be my life and not that of your own. 
I will be alive in you. I will be the mind that you have. You know, the scripture commands us, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Put on the mind of Christ. So what is it that the scripture is telling us? He's telling us that the thoughts we have should not be the thoughts of man, but rather should be the thoughts of God. They should be God's knowledge and God's wisdom. They should be God's understanding, God's revelation. They should be stand, They should be founded upon a rock that is unmovable, that literally will not change for he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what we're called to. This is the relationship we're called in. I'm called to be alive in his righteousness. That my every decision is founded upon him. And being founded upon him, my every decision becomes a right decision. How many of you know that in Christ it is perfection, right? Because Christ is perfect, right? Therefore, if I'm in him and he is in me, therefore, if I just take the time to wait on him. You know, one of the things that God speaks to me more than he speaks anything else, because I can find myself being a doer. I can find myself working. I can find myself trying to make things happen, moving, 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 moving. And sometimes the loudest word I hear from God is very simple. Bill, be still. Be still. In our busyness, many times we forget that he is God. In our fear, many times we forget that he is God. In our doubt, many times we forget that he is God. In the rush of the day, many times we forget that he is God. You see, he's as much God in the rush as he is in the quiet time of the morning. He's as much God at all times in our lives. And we're called to that place of understanding what it means to be still and to know the rightness of God, to know the steps that he is ordering, to know that he is the God who orders the steps of the righteous. I didn't become righteous by myself. I became righteous because he called me. And when he called me by his grace, I stepped through faith, hallelujah, into a relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And in that relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, I became the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus my Lord hallelujah and it's only the way it's the only way I became righteous but I didn't become righteous for somebody to stamp me righteous I became righteous because of how I'm supposed to live I became righteous because of the decisions I'm supposed to make and the things I'm supposed to do the things I'm supposed to say everything should be the righteousness of God everything should be the righteousness of God. How I feel should be the righteousness of God. How I treat one another should be the righteousness of God. Husbands, how you treat your wives should be the righteousness of God. Wives, how you treat your husbands should be the righteousness of God. Children, how you obey your parents should be the righteousness of God. Parents, how you do not bring your children to provoke your children unto anger, but bring them unto righteous living should come out of the righteousness of God. It all comes out of the righteousness of who he is. You see, he says, I will be alive in you. I will be your peace in the midst of your storm. If some of you were honest with me this morning, you would say, Pastor, I feel like I'm in the middle of a storm. 
I don't know which way I'm going. I don't know what's happening. I, maybe it's because of finances. Maybe it's because of health. Maybe it's because of how the kids are acting. Maybe it's because of the state of the marriage. Maybe it has something to do with the business. Maybe it just has something to do with your physical being. But you find yourself in the midst of a storm. Jesus says very simply, why are you living in the fear of the storm? Why are you living in the anxiety of the storm? Why are you living with your eyes upon the storm? Because when you're in me, you don't live with your eyes upon the storm. You live, your, you live with your eyes upon peace. You live with your eyes upon peace, the peace. Jesus said... Guys, what's wrong with you? You're in the middle of this sea and the sea is doing this and you're getting nervous and you all think you're going to die. You all think you're going to sink. You all think life is over for you. And he said, why are you living like that? Put your eyes in the place they need to be. Put your eyes on me. Don't you know I'm in the boat with you? Don't you know I'm one with you? All you've got to do is just stand up in the middle of this thing and say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. The step beyond saying peace, be still is living in peace, be still. The step is living and embracing the peace be still. Embracing the good that God has already prepared for you. Because Jesus says the peace is already there. The peace I have given. The peace I have given. The peace is yours. I've already given. It's the place that I live. It's, the, it's that which I move in and have my being in. I move in the fullness of that peace. I embrace the good. Living in God, we find the fullness of the good we are called to embrace. Sometimes we don't understand what happened to the good, because we, but it's because we stopped embracing it. It's not because the good stopped flowing. It's not because the good stopped being there. Because God is good and he is always there. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> the friend that sticks closer than a brother. You see, the promise of God is yea and amen. And we understand that this promise of God that he has given us is that the good is always there to be embraced. Three things this morning I want you to understand about embracing the good. Three things that I believe that God has called us to live in that's going to come out of the book of Psalms. Strength freedom, and never-ending love. Strength, freedom, and never-ending love. I have a son-in-law, and he is a weightlifter. He is, that's part of what he does. He tries to get me to work out. I tell him I'm past that. I don't need it anymore. After you've been married 45 years, the last thing I want to have to do is make sure that the muscles stay big. I just don't want to have to do it. I, I was speaking on him one day. I said, you know what? Man, dude, your arms are so big. Guess what they're going to look like when you're probably about 65 or 70. All that's going to be hanging down here, flapping back and forth. <laughs> no, it's not. I said, oh, yeah, it is. I said, I just hope I live long enough to see it so I can laugh. <laughs> Strength. Not the strength of man, but the strength of God. There was a gentleman by the name of William Wilberforce in the late 1700s in England. He was all about defeating slavery. 
He was all about bringing slave trade in England to an end. He came to the port that, point that he was tired. He was frustrated. Ten years of working and working and working and things were not seemingly changing as he was hoping that they would change. One day he said, he opened his Bible and as he opened his Bible, began to leaf through it. A small piece of paper fell out on the floor and he reached down to pick it up. It was a letter. It was a letter from none other than John Wesley. It's a letter John Wesley had written to him. Wilberforce read it again and it said this, unless the divine power, which is God, has raised you up, I see not how you can go through this glorious enterprise in opposing the abdominal practice of slavery, which is a scandal of religion and of human nature. Unless God himself has raised you up for this very thing, Wilbur, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and the devils. But then he proclaims this. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing, but go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. In the power of God's might and not in the power of man's might. Amen. Some of us become weary because we're walking in the power of our own might and not in the power of God's might. And some of us grow very tired and we back off from the very thing God has called us to do and showed us to do and God has called us to be and showed us to be because we're trying to do it in our own strength and in our own might. Can I tell you this morning, by dwelling in God is an unending strength. Is an unending might, is an unending power to do everything that God has called you to do and more. David speaking in Psalm 18, verse 31 and 32, he says, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. How is it, pastor, that I can have the strength? How is it, pastor, that I can have my way blameless? How is it, pastor, that I can continue on being equipped with this strength? Where is it that it's going to come from? Can I tell you, it comes from God who gives you power and might when it is needed. It comes from God who literally gives you the army of heaven to fight with you in battle when it is needed. It is God, hallelujah, who gives you the wealth that you need when it is needed when it is needed. It is God who gives you the efficiency and the ability when you need it. It is God who makes you a great force for the building of the church. He said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And who is he using to build his church? He's using you and he's using me. He's using everybody in this place. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus to do collectively, to do individually what he is called you to do you will experience the great power of God you will experience the great strength of God you will be the great force of God hallelujah that sees thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven how is it going to happen by God in you 
by you dwelling in him, by him dwelling in you. This is how it happens. Verse 39 says, for you equipped me with strength for the battle, and you made those who rise against me sink under my feet. Sink under my feet. When the enemy rises up, you know what I like? I like to place him under my feet. I like to picture him under my feet. I like to picture that which I walk on not being a hardwood floor or carpet, but rather it's the body of the enemy. It's the very head of the enemy. Hallelujah. He is destroyed in the name of Jesus. He is destroyed in the name of Jesus. Second thing is freedom. John eight thirty six. For if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free, how? Indeed. Completely free. Totally free. In God, there are no chains. In God, there is nothing that steals my freedom. In God, there is no doubt. In God, there is no fear other than the fear of the Lord, the awe and the respect and the love that I have for him. In God, there is no question that all that he has planned will come to pass in you and in me. When Jesus comes in, you are free. The discipline is this. Are you walking in your freedom? Are you walking in that place of dwelling? Every single day, where do you walk? And how do you walk? Do you walk in him? Or do you walk in you? At certain times, you find yourself walking in him, and then the situation gets too big, and you decide, I need to go back and get in him. You wake up in the morning and dwell in him until you finish with your devotions and then all of a sudden you get out of him and you decide just to walk on your own strength, on your own mind, on your own understanding. It's very easy to do that. But the truth is God has called us to remain. When we've done everything, what do we do? We remain. We remain. We have to remain in him. There used to be this uh, little saying around WWJD. What would Jesus do? And for some of us, we think, you know, maybe that was a little trendy, you know, uh, maybe that's kind of overused, overlooked, I don't know. You know, maybe we don't think that way anymore, but can I tell you, it's a great way to think. What would Jesus do? So when I'm talking with my brother and something happens between me and my brother, instead of reacting out of my own reaction, out of my own flesh, what is it that I should be saying to myself? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus say? When I'm called to do something, what would Jesus do? When I'm called to be there, what would Jesus do? Jesus found himself, uh, when Lazarus was dying, he found himself somewhere else, and they came and told him that Lazarus was sick, and he's dying, and he's dead, and, and Jesus waited how many days? Three days, wasn't it? See, the three or four days before he got up and he went. Three or four days before he got up and he went. And everybody would say, what kind of a friend is that? What kind of a healer is that? Jesus, why didn't you go? Your friend, you know, Mary and Martha, they're so close to you. Jesus, what's wrong with you? Because Jesus wasn't led by his feelings. 
Jesus wasn't led by the reasoning of man, but Jesus was led by the Spirit, by dwelling in the Spirit. And at the timing of the Spirit and in the ordained steps of God himself, the steps ordered by God, he moved when God called him to move. He embraced the good of what God called him to embrace. And he ministered not just healing, but he ministered life to a dead man. Amen. And saw him rose. It's just saw him come out of the tomb. Sometimes we try to move that thing on the energy of man instead of on the fullness of the timing of God and the heart of God. And everything God has a timing, everything God has a heart. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What are the boundaries for decisions and actions and reactions, thought and emotions to keep us walking in our freedom? What are the boundaries? The boundaries are his word. The boundaries are his word. The boundaries are the word of God hidden in my heart that I may not sin against him, but rather that I would walk in him and in the fullness of him. Verse 48 says this out of the same Psalm, he is he who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. This morning, if you're a Christ follower, you have been exalted above the enemy. Hear me this morning. If you are dwelling in Christ, you have been exalted above the enemy. The enemy has no charge over you. This morning, you live and you find life in the victor. And he who is life everlasting. Understand this morning, nothing formed against you as a Christ follower will prosper. By dwelling in him, the freedom... This freedom we're speaking about is in Jesus. It's in dwelling in him, living in him, and having him be my every life decision. And this Jesus is a Jesus of never-ending love. He's a Jesus of steadfast love. Sheila Walsh made this statement, if we mistake God's silence for indifference, we are most miserable of people. If we give up when we no longer understand, if we reject his caring, his steadfast love, then we cut ourselves off from our only real hope. Jesus is the only real hope for all people. Amen. He's your only real hope. He's my only real hope. There's a goodness, a loving kindness, a faithfulness, a mercy that God has for everyone, every person to live in. It is not based on your understanding, but rather it is founded in trust. What are you trusting in? It must be lived out in the acknowledgement of Jesus, his never-ending love and the obedience to his direction of your steps. Your obedience to follow him, your obedience to remain in the boundaries of who he is 
Verse 49 and 50 says this in the same psalm. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. A love that is a sacrificial love. A love that knows absolutely, does not know that its boundaries boundaries are the boundaries of pain, but willing to sacrifice all things. There was a princess, her name was Princess Alice. She had a little daughter. She was a princess in England. She had a little daughter who came down with diphtheria. The little daughter was very sick and just about at death's door. And the doctors told Princess Alice that she needed to stay away to not get really close. But the little daughter looked at her mother and said, Mama, please hold me. Mother, forgetting everything that was going on, she gets herself up and walks over and takes her child in her arms and she holds her. And holding her child that's about to take her last breath, her daughter looks up in her eyes and says, Mama, can I have one more kiss? Can I have one last kiss? The mother reaches down and kisses her daughter. Shortly after, The daughter died. In two days, Princess Alice had come down with diphtheria. And shortly after that, she too dies. Never-ending love forgets self. Never-ending love knows no danger. Never-ending love is not stopped by the cost that will have to be paid. The Bible says many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. You see, it's a never-ending love. It's the love of God for you. It's the love of God for me. It's the love of God for every human being that's ever lived and ever will live. It's the love of God. This is the love of God for you this morning. This is the love that fueled the work of the cross, even though it was a great cost. This is the love that calls you into a relationship of knowing and living in the embrace of the good, in the fullness of the good that's yours by dwelling in him and allowing him to dwell in you. You see, there is a strength There is a freedom and there is a never-ending love for you this morning. Where is it? It's in Jesus.